actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. I was chatting with someone a couple days ago I just met. My job came up when I was asked what I do for a living. After talking a bit about that, the topic of calls involving kids, that came up. I've had this conversation a lot of times, as I would imagine a lot of dispatchers probably have too. The person I was talking to, they said they likely couldn't do calls involving kids. I said the same thing then that I've said on the show a couple times. We do our best to try to help each caller, no matter who they are. But calls involving people who are generally helpless, like kids, or elderly, or disabled people. These calls really get myself and other dispatchers going. We try to go the extra mile to help these people out. We do. But most of us, myself included sometimes, we break down inside when we hear something bad has happened to these helpless people like this. The first call on the show today, it's involving a child. Just trying to be upfront about it in case you have any kind of trouble with this. It is a little bit graphic, so if that's not the type of call for you, you may want to skip to the next call or listen to a different episode. Just trying to give you a little bit of warning up front. All right, here we go. New York County 911, do you need police, fire, medical? Yes, ma'am. I'm on my niece. Um, she's a newborn and she has stopped breathing. All right, ma'am. You said? Yes, ma'am. All right. And you, are you sure she stopped breathing? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Do you want to start CPR? Yes, ma'am. I will. Okay. Let me get... Let me put your information in. Baby, stop breathing. Yes, sir. I'm gonna. I'm already sending them right now. Okay, sir. I'm gonna. Who wants to start CPR? And I can help you with that. Okay. Ma'am. Who wants to start CPR? I can start helping them with yeah, the we CPR. Yeah, we start CPR. Okay. How old is the child? About a month old. A month old. 
Yes, ma'am. Okay. Does anyone know how to do CPR there? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay, sir. I want you to get the phone next to the patient or use a speakerphone and listen carefully because I'm going to tell you what you to do, okay? All right, hold on. Hello. I'm here, sir. You got the, you got it. Okay. Lay the baby flat on uh, the back of the table on the floor. Okay. And position yourself by the baby side. Okay. I put the baby on the floor on his back. I put. The... Let me know when you're done with that. Okay. Uh huh. Can't hear the phone. All right, put the index and middle fingertips in the center of the baby's chest, right between the nipples, okay? All right. Push down about one and a half inches, allowing the chest to return to its normal position between each pump. All right, try to pump twice every second and at least 100 compressions per minute. So go like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and just keep counting. They're on their way, okay, sir? Okay. Do you want me to count with you? I'm doing one, two, three, four, five, yep. six, seven. Do it up eight. to a hundred. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, Four, nine, five, nine, six, four, seven, nine, eight, nine, 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 n
Just keep doing it. Yep, just keep doing it until you see some movement, okay? Or no movement at all. all right, let's restart again, okay, uh, sir? Three, let's start again. You're doing a good job, okay? Uh, someone like this giving CPR especially to a baby like this it feels like forever for the medics to get there I can only imagine what it's like for the caller and this a CPR call involving a newborn well it happens more times than anyone would like it to you hate answering phone calls like this you pick up the phone and then someone says, my baby's not breathing. It's horrible. The dispatcher, though, she got right in there. Started up CPR. She did a good job encouraging the caller and having him keep going and regularly checking the baby's status. I really like that the dispatcher's counting along with the caller. It sets up an expectation and something easy for the caller to follow along to. I don't really have any problems with what she was doing aside from she was a bit too fast with the compressions, but I would rather too fast than too slow or none at all. I think any trained medical personnel would say the same thing. There are times when something tragic like this is going on that people don't know what to do exactly. While the caller you just heard was on the line with a dispatcher, another dispatcher was getting a call from inside the same location. Mama. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You okay, Come on. Come on. Hello? Yes, ma'am. It's 911. Can you please send an ambulance, man? My baby about to pass. My baby about to pass. Please. My okay, baby about to pass. What's the address? We have somebody yes, on the sir. phone from. Oh, that's my dad. 
My baby was just, she was just up an hour ago. Okay, and how old is she? She's a month and a half. She's a month and a half old? Mama, please, mama, please, mama, please. Mama, please, please. Okay, is it a male or female? This was the father of the child. It sounded like he was all tore up about this. Police and medics were dispatched to the scene. On any death, police are sent at minimum just for documentation, but also to try and investigate to see if there's any crime that has taken place. This one overall was difficult, obviously from the calls we just heard, but also that there was no immediately obvious evidence of what happened with the child there at the scene. Medics continued with life-saving efforts on the way to a close hospital. The child, six-week-old Cadence Evans, was pronounced deceased at the hospital. This was all in the early morning hours of January 23rd in 2014. What was it that killed baby Cadence? In the second call, we hear the father say something about the baby falling off a low bed. I guess that's possible. Weirder things have happened. But truth be told, from low falls like that, babies are rarely injured anything past what would be considered a very minor injury. Maybe a bruise or a scrape on the skin. Babies are pretty resilient. They are delicate but not nearly as delicate as most people would think. That is, unless there's some sort of other interaction that has some ill intent mixed in there. Cadence was transported to the Piedmont Medical Center and was found to have injuries that match with child abuse. Through a thorough investigation with everyone there at the house, the father... Quentin Evans, the one you heard on the second call, was arrested with a charge of homicide by child abuse. In the court case, 
testimony was given by a forensic pathologist that the child had a broken collarbone, bleeding around her spine, multiple bruises, and subdural hematomas in her brain. This was all consistent with a rapid and repetitive acceleration and deceleration. In other words, shaking the baby. In court, the father and his attorney claimed that the child had rolled off the bed and fell between there and a wall. And then also, the father yanked up the baby by her arm. It was noted that during the investigation, the timeline that the father had given changed several times. In one portion, he said that the baby had been up all night crying, but then later changed the story to saying the baby had not been crying at all. Inconsistencies like this, along with the physical evidence of the child, was what ultimately led to the father's arrest. During the court case, he kept on with his changing of the stories. I found a short clip of him testifying in court. I'll go ahead and play it for you. Do you remember the night in question? Were you in your room smoking marijuana throughout the night? No, sir. Were you fidgeting with your, using your text, uh, your phone throughout the night? All throughout the night. Did you only have 15 minutes of sleep? The whole day, calculation of Maybe an hour, but that, that particular session that you're talking about, maybe 15 minutes, 10, I ain't sure how many minutes. And then what time did you fall to? A little bit after 10, maybe 10 to 30, 10 to 20. Okay, what, what did you do when she went to sleep? Uh, you had a hard day I had playing with the baby, keeping the baby happy. I mean, it's a job. It, it is, it is. So, so you, you now had a hard day doing all that, and she's tapped. She died. I relax. What's Quentin do? I relax. I keep my feet back. What does Quentin do to relax? How does he calm himself down? You know, I might lay around or watch YouTube. I take my headphones in or something, but I got my daughter, so I want to put one headphone in if I want to listen to uh, YouTube videos or something. But other than that, when my, when my daughter is down, I just get it over her. Okay. But at some point in time, when she's asleep, you feel like you've done your job for the day. So you rewarded yourself by taking a blunt and going into the laundry room and smoking that No, I ain't have a full blunt. That was, them pictures was not on that day because I told my, it was on my SD card. You know, if you snap a picture, your membership and your own memory is too many. Thank you. Do you, you think that expert who's standing here and talked about all those schools he went to and how many times he's been doing this and nine months at this school and with the Secret Service and the U.S. Marshal Service and he teaches other people, you don't think he knows the difference between a time day stamp that's for moving something and the time day stamp that is embedded in the photograph when it's created? Yeah, I, know. I feel like he understood what exactly what he's talking about. But there a chance you did smoke that night? You just don't remember? <laughs> you smoked the time? I mean, I remember. I would remember because if I go in there and smoke, then I come back in there with my daughter. All right. I don't really smoke around my daughter. I, I, 
That's when I open up the door and I run and I jump on the bed. Yes. You jump on the bed and you think the baby's on? No, uh, I can see that my daughter's not on my bed. That's the reason why I jump on the bed. I'm not going to shoot land. I'm not going to jump on the bed. How fast were you moving when you jump on the bed? Immediately. Oh, what? Like immediate speed. It's a pretty tight space in there, right? Yes. 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 That's a big one. Okay. You, you take a run. Okay. Get some speed of the jump. Okay. When you look down there and you saw her down below, describe how she was oriented in that little space. Mm -hmm. She's on the left side. Like this. Okay. That's when I look down, that's when I look she, she like this. You know, arm, straight like this. Was her face above or below that little side wooden panel on the side of your bed? Maybe, I think it was his dog's wife. Maybe the, the uh, safe and the bed thing right here, like in between. Like, you know, kind of, kind of sort of look like he was. Like maybe she's hovering just above the same? No, it looked like her head. Not the whole, her whole body. It's straight, like, like half of it on, half of it on type of thing. Okay. Did you pull her up easily from there? No, sir. I was in. So I ran. Grabbed as fast as I could. And without. Did she come straight up from the side of the bed as well, Master? I seen it. Not, I ain't got to. I ain't got to do it like this to be a little boy. She ain't come just perfectly like that. But as I grabbed it, it just seemed all that was happening so fast. What seemed to be is she ain't come easy, but I ain't got to do it. Took the whole life. When I jerked out of it. And she's still screaming this whole time? She she's screaming. You know, what do you think? Explain the screaming. She crying loudly. Yeah, she crying loudly. Okay. And that's when I sit on the right side of my feet. I don't know about okay. so that everything's going to be okay. And how quickly does she come back? Quickly. Okay. What else did you notice about her? My head was kind of loose. Kind of loose? Yeah. You testified, you said earlier in the corners, it didn't happen. You supported it all. It was yeah. completely off track and bobbling yeah. around. My head was like... And you didn't think that maybe something was wrong then? No, because I... I looked at it like this. Her head flops forward and then flops backward. That's what you said? Yeah, I like jello? Yeah. I believe you used the term it looked like she'd snapped her neck. Yeah, that's, that's when I looked, reached like this. And I was looking at her like, baby, okay. That's what I'm thinking my head. You okay? In that clip, we heard a few different things. We heard the defendant talk about smoking some weed. Not a whole blunt, just a piece of it. Also, that he was up almost all night watching YouTube videos on his phone with one earbud in his ear. Most importantly, we heard him changing the story about how the baby's head and neck were moving around. This, from various places I've read about the trial, was the father's kind of overall theme that he followed several times in the courtroom him changing his story from what was originally told at the scene 
to what was told in interviews and then interviews after that and now also at his testimony in court. Luckily, there was a decent amount of documentation on this trial. I've got audio from the closing arguments from both attorneys. I'll go ahead and play them for you. The first one being from the defense. How can you have a line across your forehead that causes a subdural hematoma and follow the state's theory that the baby was shaking? And not hesitate. Somebody tell me where that line came from. I haven't heard it yet. Which makes me think about the coroner's evidence. I call him the coroner, the forensic pathologist, Dr. Hart. I'm not saying that he's incorrect about the injuries. I'm saying he's a doctor and not a detective. And I don't care what he thinks about the floorboard or where it is. Just tell us what happened. She's got a subdural hematoma. There's a line across her forehead. There's a broken collarbone. There's bruising on the ribs. There's spinal injuries. Thank you. Be careful of the CSI effect. Everybody knows CSI. Swept the nation. Everybody's watching CSI. And it's Hollywood. It's big budget Hollywood. I really haven't watched that much. I've seen it a few times. Big graphics a few times. They got you go inside the body and the head, and the camera takes you all through the blood vessels. And that's great. That's fine and dandy when you have a billion dollar budget and some Hollywood writers have the endings the same every time. Through our science, we have discovered that it had to happen this way. And then they always go and approach the person and they tell him, we found retinal hemorrhaging and he's, oh, I confess, I'm running. You can't catch me. Here we are in reality. This is York County, South Carolina. CSI, football injuries, I didn't take into account that. Are we supposed to convict somebody off of that? This defense attorney was doing everything he could to cast doubt in the jury. And he was doing so while being very animated, obviously. He started off by saying something about a line on the baby's head and not knowing where it came from. From the way everything else has played out, I don't doubt a bit that baby probably fell off of something at some point. And that could have caused that. But not all the other injuries that had happened. Be careful of the CSI effect, he said a couple times in there. He was making it out like the forensic pathologist had no business trying to determine the actual cause of death. That's exactly what that profession does. I've looked up the difference between a regular pathologist and a forensic pathologist. It seems that a regular pathologist, they might do a autopsy, something along that lines. The forensic pathologist is given about a year of extra training on top of the standard set of training. This includes looking at the criminal side or potential criminal side of what might have happened during a murder. Things like poisonings, deeper investigations into gunshot wounds, or stabbings. 
things along that line. Like I said, anything to try to cast doubt into the jury's eyes or minds. Here's the closing arguments from the prosecution. They didn't start talking about shaking babies until they got back to the Rockville Police Department after they did this. He's talking about, I couldn't shake my baby. You see, the reason why he was saying all this falling off the bed and why he's telling them there that the neck was all wobbly, because he knew that the cause of death was going to have something to do with her neck. That's what he thought. And why would he think that? Why would he think that she might have snapped her neck? That might be why she died. Because it wasn't. She didn't die from a broken neck. Why did she? Why did he think that? Because he was the one standing there watching her head quit back and forth and back. And she's only nine pounds. And her head is going back and forth. And inside of her head, her brain is bouncing back and forth against the walls of her skull. You can't see any of those injuries on the outside. That's why it's called a subdural hematoma inside. He knew that. But he's watching her head quit back and forth. And he's watching her neck. And then her neck probably was walking that. But he's thinking that must be what killed him. This is a tragedy. <laughs> the world will never get to know kids. And she died all the way along with that thing. She died in the hands of the man who was obligated by the very laws of nature to protect and nourish and care for her. She died at the hands of the man who valued his own interests above hers. We spent hours with her in that room tonight. Listening to her cry, frustrated, angry, until he finally lost his patience. And should have grief but faith. What man was guilty in homicide on child? What man was killed was called Caden Sevens. Sometime in the early morning hours of January 23, After hearing those closing arguments, along with testimonies from detectives, experts in various fields, and even the entire two-hour interview the suspect had with police, the jury deliberated and came back with a verdict of guilty. He was sentenced to 45 years in prison. After the trial was over, Cadence's aunt, Talisha Banks, remarked that she was glad the trial was over, but also that she did not believe that 45 years was enough of a sentence for what happened. As I said in the first of the episode, the helpless, that can really get to us dispatchers as well as the other first responders. Baby Cadence didn't deserve this. No one does. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon. Y'all have a good one.